The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you as we dive into another edition of Golf Betting Conversation. And Wes, let's take a look at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Jason Kokrak was a 60-1 to long shot to win at Colonial Country Club. And for the entire weekend, he was paired with the pre-tournament favorite Jordan Spieth in the final pairing on both days. Saturday and Sunday. Now, neither player was very spectacular on Sunday, but Kokrak, his even par 70, eventually was good enough to get it done and beat Jordan Spieth by two shots. It's his second career win and his second career victory in less than eight months as he won right here in Las Vegas at Shadow Creek back in October. Yeah, Jason Kokrak has always been a really good and consistent player, just hadn't won, but you kind of had a feeling once he won against that good field right here in Las Vegas, out at Shadow Creek that there were going to be the win was going to come the second one was going to come sooner rather than later and he has had some top tens and that's why I ended up playing him he had those top tens on that Florida swing 
ranking. So he has shown some good golf here in 2021. I believe he was third here last year uh, behind Marikawa and Daniel Berger, who were the two playoff participants. But Jason Kokrak, look, he, he found a way and uh, was very good tee to green, was uh, one of the, of course, the tops in the field, which you're going to be when you win the golf tournament. But scrambled very well, uh, hit some decent bunker shots. But both those guys were kind of leaking oil on Sunday, but really nobody came to challenge them. Mm -hmm. Everybody was kind of like nine under, ten under, a few strokes back. Munoz, I know Sergio Garcia plummeted on Sunday, but you had those guys like Munoz and Poulter, and those guys never really made a big move to really challenge these guys. Well, the one guy that did make a run really kind of just had one bad round of his four, ended up finishing in a tie for third was Charlie Hoffman. He continues his hot play, and that's two top fives for Hoffman. Hasn't finished worse than 18th in his last six starts. And another guy that had another good performance as of late, also had a good performance here last year at Colonial. That's Emiliano Grillo. He's now finished in the top 10 in three of his last six starts. So you talk about some of the guys falling off. Grillo and Hoffman put up another good tournament. This has been a trend for these two guys. Yeah, and these were guys, especially Hoffman, who were really good on strokes gain approach, I believe third during the week, and Grillo was just behind at six. So for the whole tournament, the iron play was very good and something that's going to have to be good at the Memorial this week. So very good tournament for Charlie Hoffman. More on him later in the program. Well, how about the long shots crew? We had a heck of a week, Mr. Reynolds. You and humans landed the big fish with Jason Kokrak uh, at, in the neighborhood of 60 to one. I had had four players finish in the top 20. Thank you to third uh, Sergio Garcia. The way he fell off the leaderboard was able to get a few guys into the top 20 for me, but both of my head-to-head matchups uh, hit as well. And even last week's guest here on Long Shots, Paul Stone, who gave out Jordan Spieth, he wasn't too, our, uh, too far off with his prediction either. No, not at all, and you would expect Jordan Spieth, a former champion at this event, was going to play well, and he absolutely did. Brady, on Sunday, as I was walking into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'd already had one second. Guido Migliazzi over there in the Denmark event in Europe was making a run, but Bern Wiesberger defended his title and didn't leak any oil on the back nine. Then I got a second with Tim Petrovic in terms of the U.S. Senior Open at Southern Hill, so I thought, okay, we're going to get three seconds here because you know Jordan Spieth, when you're against him, it seems like he makes everything. He unfortunately did not on Sunday, and Jason Kokrak got the W. Yeah, that was a really good week. Uh, it pays to listen to long shots and read point spread weekly. Good week for you and humans. Uh, just a great year for you two guys and hitting the futures and nothing wrong ever with hitting a 60 to one shot. And, and you talked about it with Jason Kokrak when we saw him win at Shadow Creek. The guy has a resume on tour where we felt it was going to happen again, and I thought that victory, it just gave him the confidence to do so. We're mm -hmm. seeing this guy contend really never, really every time he tees it up nowadays. Winning begets winning, and I think, you know, once you get that confidence and that mindset, he is very good with the putter historically and did gain strokes putting across the tournament. Also, we know he's good off the tee. He always is very good off the tee. So, Kokrak, really a solid performance in the all-around game. 
That is going to do it for the recap of the Charles Schwab. This is Long Shots right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network, the number one rated golf betting show. And it's time to preview the upcoming tournament that would be the Memorial. This is a big boy golf tournament, so we bring in a big boy guest. He is Will Gray, a third-time repeat offender here on Long Shots and a friend of the network, the senior content creator at NBC Sports, specifically covering golf, and you can find Follow him on Twitter at WillGrayGC. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Good to speak with you again. And I mentioned this is a big boy tournament. It's really a loaded field. It's right there with Riviera and some of these other high-profile events. Of course, the Farmers, where uh, Tory Pines hosts every year in late January. You have Colin Morikawa and John Rahm as winners here at Mirfield Village last year. They, of course... Uh, as far as skill sets, Morikawa may be the very best iron player in the world. John Rahm may be the very best player in the world off the tee. What skill sets did you look towards this year in breaking down the Memorial and what you think will lead to success this week? Yeah, Brady, good to be with you as always. Always fun to come back uh, to do the show with you guys. I do feel like I'm walking into a made hand here with everyone just throwing around their coke rack tickets from from last week that uh, <laughs> I'm the fool that's not, not holding the 60 to one winner, but that's all right. We'll move on. It's a fresh slate this week. Uh, you're right. It, this is, this is definitely a big boy course. I think when you look at, you know, the, the B tier below the major championships in golf, this is right among the best courses and the be- and the best events uh, on the schedule all year. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see this week specifically how the renovations play out at Muirfield village. This is not the same course it was, last year when basically Jack Nicklaus let the greens die over the weekend and John Rahm won a mini U.S. Open in just brutal conditions with the wind. Uh, but it's not the same memorial that we're used to seeing because they've, they've structurally changed, I think, 12 of the 18 greens, holes 5 and 15 play significantly different than they used to. So I'm interested to see how guys will respond. And, and it, it makes me lean more towards a guy like Morikawa who has the edge in approach play. I, I've been high on Morikawa for a couple of weeks. I'm probably not going to stop that anytime soon because he is head and shoulders above the rest of the pack in terms of strokes gained approach, strokes gained key to green. He was second last week in approach. It's always about the putter with him. Uh, He butted 56 last week at Colonial, and that's why he finished uh, in 15th instead of in first. But, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with either of those guys, but I think if you're giving me a choice this week between am I favoring a long hitter or am I favoring someone that's accurate with a five iron in his hand, I'm going to go with door number two. And, Will, you talked about the changes to the course because we saw it when we watched the broadcast last year when the leaders are on the back nine. All of a sudden, Jack Nicklaus and the superintendents and everybody in charge of that renovation, they were literally ripping up that course like ripping up carpet last year to kind of resod with new bent grass and change the greens. They changed a couple of the tee boxes, so this course is going to be about 100 yards or so longer than it was last year. And to your point on Marikawa, this is a guy that when you look at a I think over the last 24 rounds, he's 10 strokes ahead of second place, which would be Charlie Hoffman. And they followed that order also on tee to green, about 10 shots better over the last 24 rounds. But with Morikawa, who did win here at the Workday Charity Open the week before the Memorial Tournament, 
He never really is one of those guys, though, Will, that has, like, form that he really puts together. Statistically, yes, but in terms of results, if you look, this isn't always a guy that's like, okay, top five, top 10, top 20, where we see some of these guys, and it's like, okay, there's a tell here, and they get a run over a couple, three months where they have nothing but top 20 or better finishes. Marikawa kind of goes off the beaten path a little bit. Uh, Did you go with him, though, this week, just on the basis of the stats and the numbers? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I think that I, I will say that it was probably shaded because I was on him at Colonial, uh, and now I'm looking at a price. You know, if he was 12 or 14 to one last week at Colonial, and now he's around 18 or 20 to one uh, for this event. And it, it, is, it is a course where he did win last year. But but yeah, I just think that you know, if, I'm not a, a math nerd, but when you talk about standard deviations and stuff, he's not a little bit better than everyone else. He is a lot better when it comes to some really significant portions of the game. And the only thing that's wiping it out is he's a lot worse when you get on the greens. And so specifically with this week, I, I think you can look at these new greens in one of two ways. It can be a blind taste test, if you will, uh, where the best putters are still going to be the best putters. But I think it could be more something where guys who are used to, you know, looking at the greens book and they're used to knowing that this 12 footer is one cup outside left or whatever that information is thrown out the window. You're going to have to relearn these greens on the fly, and it's going to make me lean a little bit more towards a more reliable iron player who can be spotty on the greens because I don't know that a great putter is going to have as big of an advantage this week as he would otherwise. That makes a lot of sense. Good point there, Will. Uh, Also in your handicap of the Memorial, do you have any other courses that you like to compare this track to? As far as results, we see a lot of uh, former U.S. Open winners that have won here at Memorial and also Masters champions that have won here at Mirfield Village. And we know the design, you know, Nicholas was inspired by his love for Augusta National. There are other Nicholas courses on tour that we can maybe compare to, but did you use anything to maybe solve this puzzle that is Mirfield Village as far as other courses that we see regularly? Yeah, I think when you look at it, it, it definitely feels much more like a master's influence than U.S. Open. I, I think that just visually and the aesthetics of some of the holes there, you can definitely see where he drew from Augusta National. Uh, certainly, there are plenty of Nicholas courses uh, on tour in terms of regular stops. One that I would definitely go to is PJ National. Uh, you know, the Honda Classic, because it's long and it's got thick rough, and it can be potentially demanding as this course can be at times. Uh, another one that now they don't play anymore, but there's still some some recent results that you can lean on is Firestone, you know, the old WGC in Akron. I think that there are some similarities in terms of how those two courses play. Uh, it's funny, though, I was doing some work, you know, the guys at Data Golf do some great uh, course fit analysis, and I was digging into it this week, and I found the number one correlated course that they have from Muirfield Village is actually Innisbrook for Valspar, which is not one that I would have thought of originally. But when you, when you look back at it, it is definitely a non-Florida, Florida course. It's got a little bit of a northern feel. You've got some tree-line situations. Uh, so potentially you look at a guy like Corey Connors, who I'm pretty high on this week, who has had some success at Valspar. Maybe that's a tick uh, on a box on his side in terms of uh, a potentially promising correlation. All right, well, let's go to the top of the board, though, first. Uh, John Rahm, who I was able to bag the winner on last year. Not going to bet him, though, now that he's about half the price of where he was when he drifted up to 22-1 to after he shot that 64 at the workday, finished down the board, but kind of saw a buy sign, and he ended up getting home. 
He's not playing bad golf, I wouldn't say. He's always kind of in there in the top 10, got a couple major top 10s already this year at the Masters and at the PGA. And that means I've got to, you know, I can't get away from him. I'm going to have to probably bet him again at the U.S. Open. I'm pretty much using him as one of my slots on every major. But what do you make of Rom's game? What is he missing right now that he's just not able to really put it all together? Yeah, I think Rom is an interesting uh, case study. I've, I've talked to this with a couple of, of friends where he's putting together these finishes that look really good on Wikipedia two years later. Right. So you're going to look up his, his, week at, his week at Kiowa, and it was like, oh, tied for eighth. That's pretty good. And he was nowhere near that tournament. Comes in on Sunday when he's 10 or 12 shots off the lead, shoots a 66 in tough conditions, and just watches the, the check get a little bit bigger by the end of the day. So, And that was the case at the Masters, too. He's got two top tens in the majors, and he really wasn't a factor. And that's just been a bit of a theme where I agree with you. He's been a little shoddy, a little sporadic, maybe Thursday, Friday, building too big of a hole. I think this is going to be a very interesting month for John Rahm because he's you know, understandably the favorite this week. I agree with you. He's a little too short for my liking this week. I think there's a lot of influence going back to how he played at this event last year, but I don't think last year's memorial was like a typical memorial. And I certainly don't think that that course is going to correlate to what it's going to look like this week, but between this week and then you look at the U.S. Open, he's got a dynamite record at Torrey Pines. A lot of places list him as the favorite right now. You know, when are we go, when is it going to become a thing for John Rahm as one of the top-ranked players in the world without a major to not have a major? And how much is that going to become an evolving storyline that he's going to have to start to deal with? He can go a long way towards, you know, putting that to the side with a strong performance this week or in two weeks out in San Diego. But I'm more inclined to think that, yeah, the numbers are a little too short for a guy who is putting up some really good results. He's, he's a top 10 machine, even though those numbers are pretty short for, you know, a top 10 wager on him, even at the U.S. Open. Uh, but I don't know that I'm going to love betting him at 10 to 1, 15 to 1 for the U.S. Open once we get there. John, or excuse me, Will, how about uh, Jordan Spieth off of his very disappointing three-over par round on Sunday at the Colonial, a disappointing final round after he was trying to win that tournament wire to wire. How does Jordan Spieth respond in your mind in the neighborhood of 15 to 1 this week, Will? I think that there's some promise there. I'm, I'm not totally uh, scared off by the final round. It was a little bit jarring to see him not only lose that lead, but just coming down the stretch, he couldn't really find it with the irons, and it was an atypical performance from what we've been used to seeing this year from Jordan Spieth, who, you know, depending on how far you want to go back, you can make an argument that he's the best player in the world over the last three, four, five months, what have you. Um, it's interesting when I look at it, he tends to play well at this event when he's playing well. He's got, I think, four finishes of T13 or better in his last six trips. When you go back to those years in 15 and 16, when he was lights out, he can go low on this course. So it's generally uh, you know, I, I'm trending by, I'm not looking to fade him in matchups or anything like that this week. I'm not going to pull the trigger on, on 15 to one. I think that this is a, an interesting field where you've got so many guys in that sub 30 to one range. It's a really strong field. And then it very quickly balloons up to, you know, the 60 to one and above. So I'm not uh, necessarily rushing to the window to bet Jordan speed, but I'm also not raising a red flag because of one bad round on Sunday in Fort Worth. Will, I just checked your Twitter at Will Gray GC, and that leads me to a question about the next player. Eight players having press conferences scheduled today at Muirfield Village right there in Columbus, and not among them, Bryson DeChambeau has certainly been in the news, a former champion here, by the way, but really that was the only year he played well back in 2018. He's got a couple finishes out of the top 20 and then, of course, missed the cut badly last year, and it's always kind of an adventure with this guy, not only on but also off the course 
Tatum and Brooks Kepka with their little feud, uh, heel versus heel, depending on how you feel about <laughs> either player. That's kind of what it seems, at least to me, how I judge these guys. And now Bryson is going to be part of this match with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Phil Mickelson. Uh, one of the shorter shots on the board, I personally didn't get involved, but do you see these be- these things kind of becoming a distraction for Bryson DeChambeau, at least going forward over the next month? Uh, potentially, I, I was surprised to see him not on the list, at least for a pre-tournament press conference. I figured you, you want to just clear the air and just talk about it because if you don't talk about it on Wednesday, someone's going to ask you about it on Thursday. Like eventually this is going to become something that he's going to have to address. I thought he might want to just, you know, do it on his own terms from a podium as opposed to five minutes after signing his opening round scorecard, but he didn't ask me for, for advice on this. So uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think that he's, he's definitely run hot or cold. Uh, at this event, I think you, a case could be made because of the the course archetype in terms of a long course with really thick rough. This course has usually Jack Nicklaus likes to grow this rough out. I think it's a big reason why he won in 2018. But when you think back to Wingfoot, you think back to his win earlier this year at Bay Hill. It's these places where all right, everyone's going to spray the ball a little bit, but are you coming out of this rough with an eight iron or a five iron? And, and I think that it, you know the type of clubs that he has, he's able to generate more swing speed and ball speed with his wedges and short irons than a lot of other guys can. And so that is, you know, something that gives me consideration or, or move him a little higher up the list, but you're right. He didn't necessarily play that well at the PGA. And now he's coming into a totally different world after the, uh, you know, the viral video with, with Brooks and, and everything like that. So it's going to be something where he, he's going to have to deal with it. I, I think that it's good that he's got this start to clear things out before he goes to the U S open where there's already going to be a spotlight on him as the defending champ. Um, so eight, you know, 18 to 20 to one is an interesting price. He could be someone that maybe I would get a, a live buy on if he kind of struggles out of the gate on Thursday, if that price starts to creep up, because I do think he has the firepower to fight back on this course. But uh, there's a lot of variables in play right now with Bryce and even more so for his standards. All right, Will. So who are you on to win this thing at Mirfield Village? Any long shots, short shots, maybe some top 10, top 20 finishes? Uh, what did you come up with this week for the tournament in Dublin, Ohio? You can't come on long shots without having a couple long shots, right? That's, I think right. that's part that's of the, right. the contract you guys write in. So <laughs> uh, I will lead with I will lead with Morikawa. I, like I said, I'm very high on him. I think that the, the strokes gained approach is really going to pay off, and he is a former winner not at this event, but at this course. Uh, so he's the, the pick of the litter for me among the favorites. I think if you drift a little further back into like the 60 to one range, a guy that intrigues me is Billy Horschel, who we've seen him get some big scalps at these events, the match play. Most recently, he has played well here. He has three top 15 finishes in his last five trips to Muirfield Village. And, and he's been playing decently, if not great, since uh, since getting that win in Austin. He played well at the Zurich with Sam Burns. But I think that he's a guy who could get hot and really challenge uh, come the weekend. And then if you want to drift up into triple digits, there's two guys I like it at a hundred to one uh, in that range, or perhaps for a top 10 or top 20. And one is a former champion, Matt Kuchar. I think that you can make a long list of these veterans that are starting to turn the corner, whether it's Brent Snedeker or Justin Rose, uh, Charlie Hoffman. And I think Kuchar definitely fits that bill. If you go back to 2007, 13 appearances at this event, he has 10 top 15, seven top tens, including a win and a runner up. So I, I can see, you know, if you get in the range of nine to one on him for a top 10 this week, I think that's a great value, uh, especially considering he's got three recent top 20s at the Nelson and Harbor Town, as well as Valero. Uh, another guy there is Brendan Todd. This is not a course that you need to be a bomber. It probably helps, but you really need to keep it straight. And Brendan Todd is among the straighter shooters on the PGA tour coming off a T8 finish 
and Fort Worth at the Colonial. And, and I think that this is a course where he has played well in spurts before, hasn't quite connected for four straight rounds, but but the price seems right on him. And, and doubling it up, go out to 200 to one, Kyle Stanley. Uh, three top six finishes at this event. He was in that playoff in 2018 with Bryson and really has fallen off the map since making the tour championship that year. But all of a sudden he's coming back. He had a tie for eight finish last week. Uh, at Colonial when he led the field in strokes and approach and led the field in tee to green. Those are some very promising signs for a guy who's, you know, 200 to one to win. You know, you're looking at potentially 15 to one for a top 10, something like that. $6,000 range on DraftKings. Any way you want to slice it, I'm going to be involved with Kyle Stanley this week. Great stuff, Will. We are out of time, but just 10 seconds. Do you have a player two for the U.S. Open coming up? Yeah, I think uh, Tony Fino is the guy that I've got. Got him before the PGA at uh, 40 to one. I think he's got a great track record, and eventually he's going to get that win at a major. And I think it could come as soon as a couple weeks from tour time. All right, my friend. Enjoy the Memorial this week, and thank you again for joining us here on Long Shots. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, good to be with you guys. All right, that is Will Gray of NBC Sports. Great golf. Follow on Twitter at WillGrayGC. We'll be back with more. Will, we'll check in on the European Tour next right here on Long Shots. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats 
even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to Long Shots. It's time for the Across the Pond segment. Wes Reynolds will take a look at the European tour on tour this week. And we go to Hamburg, Germany for the Porsche European Open. And one thing to keep in mind here, Wes, I'm sure you're aware, this is a Saturday through Monday 54-hole event. And it's been cut back due to quarantine and COVID issues, travel issues for a lot of these players in the field. So you're going to take a look at this event, want to find out where you're at on that. And then you also have some thoughts on the U.S. Women's Open, which will take place in San Francisco at Olympic Club. Yeah, you're right, Brady. Saturday through Monday, 54-hole event, Porsche European Open. It used to be played many years ago. It was always played in the U.K., but the last several years, it has moved to Germany. It is at Green Eagle Golf Course in Winson, which from the back tips can play at about 7,800 yards. I don't think it's going to play that long this week, so you don't necessarily have to be a big hitter to succeed here. We did get a runner-up last week at Maiden Himmerland in Denmark. Guido Migliazzi, a nice Sunday to get to 16-under. I can't call it a bad beat because Baron Beesberger did win by five shots and defended his title way back from 2019 because that event like this one was canceled last year due to COVID-19 so at the top of the board maybe we're going to get back-to-back Austrians here and the only kind of shorter price I played was Matthias Schwab at 18 to 1 who is still trying to get that first win very talented kid played his college golf at Vanderbilt University eighth last week in Denmark four top tens in his last six overall starts was seventh here back in 2018 was tied for second in 2019 where he finished runner-up to Paul Casey who of course is the outright tournament favorite Abraham Anser also making a trip yes. over to go ahead and play Saw this that. event is also a very short price so Matthias Schwab 18 to 1 Adrian Moronk 35 to 1 the first member of the European tour from the nation of Poland however he was born in Hamburg Germany which is just mm. a few miles north of this course so Obviously, you would think he has some experience here. Third and strokes gained off the tee on the European Tour this season. think it could help on a bigger layout like this one. Also, two top three finishes in his last four starts, including three weeks ago at the British Masters. A former champion here at this event, uh, Jordan Smith, 2017. That's actually his lone European Tour win. Englishman here at 40-1. to one. He was T3 last week in Denmark, was first for strokes gained off the tee, seventh in tee to green. That was actually his best finish in the last two seasons 
seasons, kind of capping off at least thus far a uh, two-month run of really good progressive form. Also has a tendency to be a fast starter. He's been the first-round leader in two of his last 21 events. So with the 54-hole event, obviously a fast start's even more important. So Jordan Smith, 40-1. to one. Longer shots really quickly. Pablo Larathabo, easy for me to say, from Spain. Seventh here on debut a couple years ago. Can be a little bit erratic off the tee, but is really deft around the green. And you're going to have to make up some ground scrambling here. Marcus Armitage, 80-1. to one another Englishman. Englishmen, actually, since they've moved to Green Eagle here, have won pretty much every year on this course. Three top tens, last six starts, was eighth last week. And then Ashley Chester's 201, who wouldn't seem to be a good fit because he is a very short hitter, but he's a very accurate hitter. He's got two top tens, actually, here in three appearances with six on approach here two years ago. All right, very good. Well, the United States Open for the women's side will take place at Olympic Club. The last time it held a U.S. Open for the men, it was Webb Simpson who got the victory there in the men's U.S. Open. But now the ladies will tee it up at Olympic Club in San Francisco this week. A major championship once again on the schedule for the ladies. And uh, who do you like in this one, Wes? I've got one picked out myself. Yeah, you've got about 10 to 12 players that are kind of like 25 or one to let or less really and kind of all scrambled together not one clear favorite I did go chalky on a couple picks though NB Park 11-1 who does lead the tour in scoring average and putting average also sixth in driving accuracy I think that's going to be important here this week on these very narrow fairways that slope that the players are going to see this week and then right behind Jin Yun Ko who's the world number one four top ten so thus far this season she had a wrist injury too this spring looks like she's getting over that was T2 last December at the U.S. Women's Open. Brooke McKenzie Henderson, 20 to 1 from Canada, third on tour for greens and regulation, hitting over 80% of her greens. This is a week you're not going to win necessarily being a birdie machine, although she's one of the better ones on the LPGA tour. But Pepper in those greens going to be a good recipe to not make, to give strokes back and make a bunch of bogeys here at the U.S. Open. So Brooke Henderson, 20 to 1. Hannah Green, 33 to 1. Uh, went out in group play last week's match play, but I think that'll be okay. Seven, two, and three is her form coming in. And then Jennifer Cupjo, 90 to one, the former number one U.S. women's amateur. I'm going with a California connection. Danielle Kang. Of course, her boyfriend See is it? Mavic McNeely. Went to Stanford. I know she's been up there, probably played Olympic Club she's before. She's one of those players, like those dozen players that are kind of in that 20 to 25 to 1 range. So not a real clear favorite this week in San Francisco. I was seeing 18 to 1, but absolutely in that neighborhood of 18 to 20 to 1, Danielle Kang. We'll see if we can get one of those home for the ladies. And also on the European tour, we'll come back next with major implications.
Welcome back to Long Shots. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. It is time for major implications. And the next major championship on the calendar takes place in just 16 days, live from Torrey Pines Golf Course in beautiful La Jolla, California, right outside San Diego. And I think you need to pay close attention this week, Wes, to the memorial. It's always been one of the final big boy preps prior to the U.S. Open. And we talked about it with Will Gray, a lot of correlation with Matt. Masters winners here. Also, U.S. Open winners. Look at the guys that have won both the U.S. Open and the Memorial. Of course, Jack Nicklaus, Tom Watson, Raymond Floyd, Hale Irwin, Curtis Strange, Tiger, Jim Furyk, Ernie Els, Justin Rose, and most recently, Bryson DeChambeau. So I think you really need, and Will talked about it as well, the narrowing of the fairways, the big, thick, rough. I mean, I think you can use Memorial this week as an indicator to what we might see at Torrey Pines in a couple weeks. I do as well. I mean, you're obviously going to want to look at the Farmers Insurance Open in terms of earlier this year because some of the lengthening in the course did take place. It's not going to be the same setup, though, that it usually is. It's going to be a U.S. Open setup, so it's going to be a lot harder than any regulation event that they are going to have there, but when you look at some of the guys that have really finished well at that earlier event in Torrey Pines, of course, I think you and Matt have already played them, and I'm going to be on a couple of these guys. John Rahm, mm -hmm. Tony Finau, they were right in the mix uh, there earlier this season. Also, Patrick Reed, mind you, did win this event by five shots. There were some other contenders, though, on that board. Victor Hovland, uh, Xander Schauffele, Will Zalatoris, Rory McIlroy were kind of all around in that top ten. So those are guys, at least, that initially I'm looking at. I'm for sure going to bet Raman Finau, but this is going to be a long course. Be keep in mind, this U.S. Open will only be played on the south course. This is yes. not where you get to play on that North Weisskopf course, which is not an easy course, but it's substantially easier really than the south course. And they did a lot of renovations on these over the years to kind of prep for this U.S. Open. So now you're seeing it uh, play very long. You're going to see it, I think, play the listed yards right now is 7,600 98 yards so they have done a big time renovation on this place so gonna be very tough conditions I mean mind you the one time that they hosted the U.S. Open was back here in 2008 if we remember Tiger Woods on that one leg I was able to get by Rocco Mediate in that Monday 18 hole playoff one under was the winning score here 283 because it did play at a par as a par 71 so I don't think you're going to see like we saw at the Farmers Insurance Open where 14-under is going to win the thing. No, I absolutely agree with that. And we've seen that at Pebble Beach over the years where the course is much different for the U.S. Open setup than what it is for the regular tour event. Uh, if you look back, you mentioned the 2008 U.S. Open here when Tiger did win. There's a lot of the guys in that uh, field that year that will be here again this year. Phil Mickelson finished 18th that year in 2008. Sergio Garcia also finished 18th. Stuart Sink, and that was one guy Will, Will Gray was talking about, Matt Kuchar and some of these older guys that are having a resurgence. How about Stuart Sink? Finished 14th at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in 2008. Brant Snedeker has been a magician at Torrey Pines over the course of his career, has won the Farmers Insurance before, finished 9th at Torrey Pines in the U.S. Open in 2008. And then also Lee Westwood. He's kind of the forgotten man. We remember Rocco Mediate and Tiger Woods. Lee Westwood finished 3rd that year. Year. Any of those guys you're leaning towards as far as maybe making a repeat performance this year? You know, Westwood will probably be a bigger price because remember, he went on that great form where he had two runner ups in Florida at the 
uh, Arnold Palmer and then the players the following week. And then a lot of people cranked down that price that the Masters never really showed well. So maybe he's going to be able to drift up at least a little bit. But obviously on Torrey Pines, you're, I think, going to have to be – you're going you got to be good with your irons basically every single week. But you got to be really good with the putter. And that's why I think you saw Patrick Reed was so good because he's always pretty good with that flat stick. And he was right up there in 2021 for that stat. Ryan Palmer also finished tied for second. Another guy, remember, he finished second to John Rahm at the Memorial. I think he is actually on your card. So very good correlation by you. You mentioned that Memorial – U.S. Open potential correlation. Ryan Palmer was T2 earlier here this year. Yeah, he's had a number of good finishes at Torrey Pines, actually, and I did jump on Ryan Palmer to win the U.S. Open at 200-1. to Just a flyer. I had him at 250 for the PGA. Going to try a shot with him here at 200, and I don't know if he's going to win the thing. Uh, He has great history at the Torrey Pines course for the Farmers Insurance event, Um, but it it was really the price, Wes. You know how that is. I mean, if you've seen this guy in the neighborhood of 125 or 150-1, to and you can find a guy who's really a horse for this course as high as 200 then it's worth a little shot and, and so I did take a shot with Ryan Palmer uh, John Rahman Tony Finau I'm on them as well I I would say Tony Finau probably has better history at Torrey Pines than any other player in the world he certainly does and that's why I'm probably going to bet him this week or at least before the memorial starts more on that later because I have an inkling he is going to go well this week he in was Columbus. A, no doubt about it he was absolutely a contender last year before he you know kind of did his typical Tony thing where he fell off the pace a little bit and John Rahm went on to win uh, I also have a play on Shane Lowry at 80 to 1 Lowry just comes off of a fourth place finish in the PGA championship. I think he's a guy that has shown West that he can play big, long golf courses. And if the wind blows, uh, he is also very much a factor and he has played well on coastal golf courses, kind of like Mark Leishman, Mm -hmm. who has a very good history here. Guys that play well off these coastal courses, if you get the wind uh, blowing here at Torrey Pines where it certainly can, we've seen it affect this uh, tournament. Remember when Snedeker won, when I think he was on on the opposite nine with the wind in his back, and all the leaders had the wind beaten down on him because I remember I had Jimmy Walker that year, and he was not able to get home. So keep in mind guys with the elements, so Shane Lowry I think absolutely fits into that category. Snedeker makes a lot of sense too and the guy's been rounding into He's form. been playing better. Yeah, had a good week uh, last week at Colonial. Uh, Matt Humans has joined the party. Will Gray mentioned Tony Finau. I'm on Tony Finau. Matt Humans is in that boat and you mentioned you're headed that direction. I got, yeah, I, I gotta take him in case he does very well this week, which I have the suspicious feeling that he might. Now, anybody else, you talked about John Rum. Anybody else that is uh, in the back of your mind or in your pocket right now for a couple weeks at Torrey Park? You know, I'm still debating if I want to go with a couple of the young guns here because U.S. Open usually is a little bit more about experience. So a couple guys that played well at Torrey earlier this year were Victor Hovland, Mm -hmm. and he did not show end up showing at the PGA, did okay. But Will Zalatoris, a couple guys I'm kind of looking down the board a little bit to see what kind of prices I can get. It'll be interesting to see if Brooks Kepka makes an appearance here like he did at the PGA Championship. We did not expect him to fare well coming off of the injury. But he showed up at Kiowa Island in a big way. We'll see what he does here at Torrey Pines. Remember, Poana Greens, that's a different putting surface that not a lot of guys on tour excel at. So a lot of things to consider in your handicap of the U.S. Open. We'll take a look at our handicap for the Memorial coming up next right here on Long Shots.
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We have reached the match play portion of the show here on Long Shots. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you where we go over our plays for the Memorial. And this will take place, of course, in Dublin, Ohio at Mirfield Village. Jack's Place. Nicholas designed this place way back in 1974. And it's really been a fantastic institution on the PGA Tour ever since. Wes, we will start with Matt Eumanns' plays. And we go to the outright market for Mr. Eumanns, who just hit hit, I believe, his fifth future on Jason Kokrak last week, his fifth future of the year. Also, his head-to-head matchup record has been sterling at 8-2 and two so far this year. Uh, not a lot of quantity, but certainly quality out of Mr. Humans in the head-to-head market. 
Jordan Spieth is at the top of the board for Matt at 17 to 1. Figures he will bounce back off of that very disappointing final round on Sunday at Colonial. Colin Morikawa, he shares that pick with Will Gray at 18 to 1. And how can you argue against uh, probably the best iron player in the world? And another guy right there, as far as iron play, is Victor Hovland at 19 to 1. I took a hard look at him. He certainly makes some sense. I just don't know if his short game is exactly where I want him. I think this course, you and I were both on Hovland mm -hmm. for the PGA. I think this course might examine your short game more so than did Kiowa Island. And it, and with Hovland last year, remember, he was right behind Colin Marikawa and Justin Thomas, who went to the playoff at the Workday event, the one-time, one-off event that they held before the Memorial Tournament, and obviously played differently, played much easier. I think 19-under was the winning score from Marikawa. And Victor Hovland was right there in third, so he's gone well on this course, but as we were talking about with Will earlier – we don't know what this course is necessarily going to be. We know that the concept is going to be the same. And it always is with the Jack Nicklaus design. It's always the proverbial quote-unquote second-shot golf course. And, and Jack was even quoted as saying he wants it to be a test to find out who the best golfer is over the course of that four days. He didn't want to eliminate the rough. He didn't want to eliminate the firmness of the greens. So he is going to kind of stick to his traditional beliefs in terms of how he wants this to be designed. He wants you to use every club in the bag. So we'll see. I mean, Victor Hovland has made a good appearance here, but that was at the workday. Same with Colin Marikawa. Now, when we talked about Marikawa, the stats are off the charts. Oh, yeah. Ten shots better than anybody in the field in terms of approach over the last 24 rounds and about ten and a half shots better tee to green. So the stats absolutely stand out on Colin Marikawa, and I almost played him. He's also very good on poor par fours from 450 to 500 yards. About half those par fours on the layout are of that length. So I can't argue necessarily if Marikawa and we do match on a couple, which we'll get to in a moment. Yes, he is also on Corey Connors there at 30 to 1 and then took a shot with Charlie Hoffman at 50 to 1. Matt was on Hoffman, as was I, last week at Colonial and made a great run in the tournament. Just came up a little bit short, but he got there with Jason Kokrak. So no harm, no foul, but he's going to go back to one of the hottest golfers in the world right now in Charlie Hoffman. And then I saw he took a shot with Jason Day at 80 to 1. Jason, the man from Columbus. He's a member here. And he's been really feast or famine uh, as far as his success. And we see that so often with players. It was like last week with Ryan Palmer at Colonial. Sometimes, you know, he's been right there in the top five. Other times he's missed the cut. And we've seen that out of Jason Day in uh, the proverbial home game here for a guy uh, who is a member here at Mirafield Village. And then in the head-to-head -head matchup, he's got his man Xander Shoffley at minus 120 over a former winner here, Patrick Cantley. Day, by the way, did have two top tens here, was seventh at the workday and then finished fourth at the Memorial. That's the best he had ever finished here, so maybe he found something. You always worry about the injuries and working with his swing, but certainly a bigger price than you're used to seeing on him here. Well, you remember how hot he was last summer, too, mm -hmm. and I think that was a part of that run that Jason Day had, those two finishes at the workday and the Memorial. All right, Wes, let's get to your plays, my friend. Yeah, Tony Finau, as I 
said, uh, I have a feeling he's going to play very well this week. Remember, he was also the 36-hole leader here and then kind of fell apart a little bit on the weekends. Four times he finished 13th or better here. Good history on Nicholas Designs. The putter actually played decent last week, but the putter was terrible on Sunday. He lost like 3.75 strokes on the greens, but the tee to green game was in good shape, was third in the field for that category. Strokes gained tier to green, averaged nearly two strokes, gained ball striking, which is off the tee plus approach per round. So didn't get the best finish, but showed some good signs. 29-1 on Finau. Same I match up with Matt. Matt and I, we've been matching up, and we've been successful on a couple of these, as evidenced by Kokrak last week. 30-1 to one on Corey Connors, which I would have got a bigger number. He was 20th last week down there in Fort Worth, but was top 10 in the field for approach tee to green. Rinse, repeat. He kind of always is, isn't he? He's cooled off a little bit from March and April, but still hitting the ball very well. So Connors, 30-1. to one. Patrick Reed, who I knew Matt wouldn't bet, 38-1. to one. <laughs> While, you know, while Bryson and Brooks are kind of having their little kerfuffle between each other, you kind of go back to the original heel or the original black hat on <laughs> the, the PGA Tour. And Patrick Reed's kind of like saying, hey, I'm supposed to be the only bad guy that everybody hates out here, not you guys. So 38 to 1, the form doesn't leap off the page, but a couple top 10s here, very capable. Keep in mind, this guy's still top 10 in the world. He's ninth in the world golf rankings, so you got a decent side price. Charlie Hoffman actually shot the low round out along with Troy Merritt, who I played at 175 to 1. I'll get to him in a minute. Minute. Hoffman, uh, five under on Sunday to finish T3rd last weekend. Also comes a memorial, best ever finish he's had in his career last year, was seventh. So Charlie Hoffman, I match with Matt on that one. Gary Woodland, he's kind of coming back in the shape. Remember last year, he fell off the grid. He had those he's injuries. He's really coming back around. Yeah, he had those injuries, had the hip injury, and three top sixes here, including a fifth last year on this course at the workday. So Woodland's kind of coming around. Matt Wallace, 85 to one. I thought about him too. Yeah. Got and, some good numbers. Yeah, he was a, a contender here, I believe, last year. I want to say it was at the workday. Actually, no, it was at the Memorial Tournament where he finished fourth. So he's got some experience here. A couple down-the-board finishes after that third at the Valero and the sixth at the Wells Fargo. Right outside that top 50 in the world golf rankings, looking for that first win on American soil. I thought 85-1 to one was a big number, and then I'll close it out with Troy Merritt. Like Hoffman also shot a 65 for the low round of Sunday. Maybe could build on it. He did that Metroplex two-step down there in Dallas and Fort Worth where he had seventh at the Colonial and seventh at the Byron Nelson. Also was in the top ten at the Valspar. So from a number standpoint, this could be boomer bust as 175 to one players usually are. But on very good form, there are worse longer bombs on the board. Well, and Will Gray touched on it too, the correlation between Valspar and Memorial. And it makes a lot of sense with the dog leg. And, and he mentioned, you know, Valspar Innisbrook there is not really a Florida course. It's much more like what we get here in Dublin, Ohio. And I did take a look at a couple of players that met, that played very well at the Valspar, and that's Keegan Bradley. I played him at 60 to 1. Guy's been in fantastic form. Mm -hmm. I looked at total driving, strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green, and par four scoring. And Bradley really checks all of those boxes, especially off the tee and on approach. And has been, we've talked about it before, I played him for the PGA Championship. All of a sudden, his short game, strokes gained around the green, has vastly improved for Keegan Bradley. So he was my longest shot at 60. And with these new greens, as well mentioned, 
kind of tough to evaluate putting. So maybe that go. brings in some guys that are a little shaky with the putter into play this week. I thought that was a great point by Will, and, and it definitely makes sense. I didn't even think about that, I will admit. But uh, I, I'm happy to be on a poor putter this week. I think they are more in play for sure. Corey Connors, another guy that I did get 35 to 1, a nice number there, and he was absolutely in the mix at the Valspar. I went with Patrick Cantley, Wes. Obviously, he's a former winner here. He also won at the Zozo, another Nicholas course. But And we saw him do very well at the PGA Championship, had a big triple bogey towards the end, and I know there were some bad beats or good wins there uh, as far as head-to-head matchups with Patrick Cantley at the PGA Championship. But, it, you know, we saw his form go so south when he headed to Florida. Right. But it feels like he's starting to come back a little bit. Been nobody better on Nicholas Designs, really, over the last couple of years. Of course, did win at Sherwood mm-hmm. at the Zozo Championship in Thousand Oaks, as you can see. Number one in terms of strokes gain total on Nicholas designs over the last 24 rounds I also like Matthew Fitzpatrick we talk about how how important iron play is here he's certainly one of the best in the world and also one of the best in the world with the putter so uh, if he can get uh, a hot flat stick this week and the irons follow suit I think Matthew Fitzpatrick will be in the hunt again you talk about irons Joaquin Neiman uh, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that and and I thought 50 to uh, 55 to 1 it's certainly reflective of how strong the field is Wes but Joaquin Neiman at 55 to 1, I thought was pretty juicy. Yeah, and that's the one I ended up leaving off that I might regret because I've been betting him lately. He hasn't been getting there, but I think he is closer in what would meet the eye. He did finish sixth here on debut a few years ago. And then I went with Cameron Smith, and I kind of used this a couple of different ways. Obviously, he's been a very good player as of late. He's had a great season. It goes all the way back to uh, Riviera, where he was in contention there at the Genesis Invitational. But his prowess for Augusta National the last couple of years and what he did there before, before he really came on the scene and finished runner-up to DJ back in November. He's always been a very, very good player at Augusta. And we talk about how the relationship is there between the Memorial and Augusta National. And so I, I thought Cam Smith could possibly be a real good fit this week. And again, another big price at 55 to 1. I did play him in the matchup against Shane Lowry this week. I did not use him on the futures board, but you know he's a guy I bet per- fairly frequently and have had some success with him. It does already have a win this year down in New Orleans in that team event with his mate Mark Leishman. Yeah, I looked at that matchup over Shane Lowry. You got a better number than I could find. You got him at minus 115. Minus 125 I thought was a little bit rich. I stayed away from that one. I did take Corey Connors at minus 130 over Scotty Scheffler, and I took Justin Thomas at minus 120 over Bryson. I think Bryson could be a little distracted, Wes, and I think Thomas is kind of on the come here. He's kind of a boomer bust. Like last year when he was in this form, he was just all over the place, was not liking being in that deep stuff, uh, even though he's the ultimate bomb and gouger. So he's kind of of those shorter shot prices at the top of the board. He's the ultimate boomer bust candidate this week, I think. All right. Next week, we head out to South Carolina. It'll be a a one-off event here, a new event called the Palmetto Champion. Chip and Jeff Feinberg of the FTN Network will be our guest and help it break it down here on Long Shots. That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week for the Palmetto Championship. Enjoy the memorial from Mirfield Village right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.